0: Abba Yahweh, the sharing of your word and being the conduit for your word, Father God. Boldness and uprightness and courage for my brothers and sisters that I, I seek for them, Father God. To share with them your word, your treasure. To do that thing that you've called us to do, Father God. To stand in the gap. To stand in the gap to share that word, Father God, that comes from the gospel of you and for Jesus Christ, Father God. For my brothers and sisters, their boldness, their courageous to stand upright. Abba Yahweh, aman. Yeshua, aman, paraklitas, aman. So, brothers and sisters, I'm sharing with you these things. i I shared with you, I can't. <laughs> so many times the confirmation that comes from God and and uh, either through one of the teacher, many teachers that I listen to and, and um, associates that we share back and forth. And sometimes it happens that way. Um, faith into faith, brothers and sisters, that, you, that they are just in the right place at the right time because God brought them and that uh, we're looking for a word and that word comes at the right time. And it can come in many guises. It, it could be just you're sitting to do Bible study and you open the Bible and it, right, the Holy Spirit takes you right to a specific verse. Or you might be sitting leisurely reading a book. And something that you're reading in that book leads you to put your hand in the Bible and open that up. And there's a verse there or even just a saying, a quote that somebody makes. Or a person comes around the corner at just the right time and you hear a portion of the conversation or in greeting that person, they say something to you that was needed at that time. Faith unto faith. Faith that you look for an answer from God and faith to that person that they're sharing. And faith is like that magnet it draws. Faith unto faith, brothers and sisters. That is in the scripture. I'm sharing with you... Um, several passages and uh, uh, relating to Paul and this is um, calling us to be uh, again with that thing and I borrow that the title because I, I love the title this is from one of my uh, teachers and associates that I listen to and I I I love the way he puts us fully engaged fully engaged what does it mean fully engaged I shared with you partially before this is um, this is from his teaching fully engaged with the gospel parts of it, um, that he shared and, and I'm just borrowing that because I, I like the title. So I'm, I'm plagiarizing, I guess you call it, I'm plagiarizing the, the title of his lesson. So yes, David, I am, I like it. I like the way you speak. I like the way that your heart is from the truth. And incidentally, brothers and sisters, as I've shared with you, I have tried his spirit. The Holy Spirit tells me that he speaks power, he speaks truth, and he speaks from the word of God. And I have declared to you so many times, and I'll share it with you again, because there might be somebody that's listening that's not heard this before, might be tuning on God's word. Try my spirit. That means you pray to the Holy Spirit for guidance. Am I truth? And if I'm not truth, that the Holy Spirit would take you away and then you just delete my, delete whatever I'm saying. There's, it's really easy to do. There's a little button, D-E-L-E, delete, and you push that button and away I go. But you will find I'm quite confident and bold in my confidence is that you'll find that I speak the truth. The truth comes from God, his knowledge, his wisdom. This is not about me. This is about the gospel, the good news. Incidentally, that word is uh, derived from the Greek and the Romans use it in and, uh, and the Latin. Um, there's two words that are compounded together that mean good news. That's what the gospel, the word gospel means good news. So the good news of God, our father, and the good news of Jesus Christ, his only begotten son. Incidentally, there is a portion in the gospel, the good news of the Holy Spirit, because when Jesus Christ says, I go to prepare a place for you, and I must go so that the comforter will come, because if I don't go, the comforter won't come. There won't be a need for the comforter to come because I'm still here. But when I leave, the comforter will come. And I've shared this before, brothers and sisters, the only thing of it is that do you put the comforter on the back of the couch just to look at all the time or if there's a chill in the house waiting for the heater to kick on or you don't really want to turn the heater on, it's just a slight chill and that as you're watching TV, drinking a cup of tea or a cup of coffee, a cup of hot chocolate, and you put that comforter across your lap to help take away the chill. But if you just leave it back there to look at all the time and you don't use the comforter, what's the purpose? So the Holy Spirit, our comforter, is to use it. You can pray through the Holy Spirit. I've shared that with you before. The Holy Spirit to guide your steps. I've shared that with you before. And it's there for a reason to guide you through the word as Jesus Christ said it would do it would enlighten it will teach and it will guide you just have to ask what good is it if you don't ask I, I can't remember how my father used to say it but he used to there was something he used to say all the time my earthly father um Anyway, it had to do with asking, and and that uh, one wouldn't know if you didn't ask. So anyway, let's not get off on a tangent there, Raven. So Paul's letter to the Romans actually is an introduction uh, of sorts. He's writing to um, the Romans, and it's kind of an introductory to himself because he's getting ready to go to an empirical um, hotspot, you might call it, um, a hub of socio-economic prowess. That was at that time. It was um, it was a powerful place, and he's telling them what he's about, and that he didn't use the term, but it's a term that we can use. It. He's fully engaged with the good news, gospel of Jesus Christ and God the Father. Paul told them that he's coming. I'm heading your way, and I have with me the gospel of God the Father, Jesus Christ, and I'm not ashamed of it, as it is that some are, sadly. Today, there are some that are that same. Um, back then, there were some that were so the relevance of the Bible, that comes into play again here that I'm going to throw that in as well. There are those that claim the irrelevance of the Bible, the Bible's not relevant, blah, 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 blah. Well, let me tell you this. The very same thing that Paul is talking about when he wrote into the letter of Romans and all the other churches are exactly relevant to what's going on today. And those that sit there and talk about irrelevance are spiritually blind and they're because they're not listening to the Spirit talk to them, and they're spiritually blind because they can't see the writing in front of their face for what the truth is that it speaks, that churches have lost their savor. They have lost, they have been diluted and polluted. And this is one of the things that Paul's talking about. They have become ashamed to share the gospel, the good news of God the Father, and that Jesus Christ came to save us all. They have issues with the gospel, the good news and the truth. And there are those today that don't want to hear the gospel. And why is that? Because the gospel speaks the truth. And as I shared with you before, it was, I believe it was Plato, not Saturday. Yes, it was Plato who said that, there, that no man is more hated than he who speaks the truth. Look what the Jews did to Jesus Christ. Those arrogance, not all of them, because there were some Jews that believed in what he was saying and they believed that the truth came from God and they wanted to believe that he was the Messiah. But there were those that were intellectually arrogant, and blinded, and their hearing was plugged, and they weren't hearing the truth, and if they were actually reading the scriptures and the prophecies as they had been spoken, they would know that Jesus Christ was the only begotten Son of God and the Messiah. Here's the sad part about this. Everything that was spoken then and spoken by Paul and relevant, and it's there today, and Not all, but there are many deeply, profoundly in the Jewish teaching and they are still searching and waiting for the Messiah. There's a problem there, brothers and sisters. The problem is that he's already come and gone once and that his second coming is promised and prophesied in the word of God. So, Paul is writing them a letter and saying, I'm heading that way. And this is in Romans, um, oh, let me find here, 1, 16 and 17, I believe is, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and then also to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, and as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So, brothers and sisters, let's take that apart a little bit and and, uh, and figure out what Paul is saying is that he's telling the Romans, so the Jews were the Jews being the chosen of God first. So in the sharing, they were given first crack. And um, <laughs> and being that they actually rejected the gospel, you saw what they did to Jesus. And it was also attempted and fulfilled against many of the apostles. And what would they do? They would hire out and, and get the crowd. So even today, there's going to be some that argue against and seek to be offended by being told to get up, get out, and share the very exact thing that saved them to begin with. So today there are those that will say, yeah, the gospel of Christ, it was good news, I heard it, and I accepted Jesus Christ, and I'm saved. I believe in God, I have faith in that, but I'm not too comfortable in getting up and going out and sharing the gospel and, and, you know, going out and doing all that stuff. Well, excuse me? excuse me, excuse me the very thing that got you to be saved anyway and you won't get up off your duff and out of the comfort zone to go out and share that with anyone? Uh, yeah, I have ought with that as was said by Jesus to John when he wrote in his vision that Jesus Christ bought, brought to him on the island of Patmos. He told them to write to the seven churches and he spoke to them and he had aught with each one except for two. There were only two churches that Jesus didn't have an issue with. And why is that? Because they remained true to their first love. What is the first love that we should be true to? The gospel of God first and the gospel of Jesus Christ coming and being crucified and saving us through his sacrifice And that he did those things for all of us. For God so loved the world. And Jesus came because he too so loved the world. And he could see that through his father. And yet, you're going to sit in your comfort zone in your recliner back there after you get out of church and go home and have your... TV dinner and watch a game and you don't want to get out and share the word. Okay, and remember, you're offended, oh well. If the shoe fits, put it on and wear it around. It might have a little stone in the foot that caused you to, to limp, but if you shake that rejection of the spirit out of there, you'll see that the step would be smoother. Get offended by what I say? Here's what I say to that, too bad, so sad. My validation comes from God. And if the truth hurts, then you need to be seriously self-examining and don't put your finger and point it outward at somebody else when the truth is in the mirror. Examine the man in the mirror. Examine the woman in the mirror. Are you the ones that are rejecting the gospel? Are you the ones that are not going out and sharing the gospel and doing what God has simply asked you to do? the very thing that God asks you to do and you reject it. So if that's the case, then self-examination belongs there and not to point the finger at me for pointing it out. And you notice, I don't know anybody out there. I can't see you, so I can't call you by name. And I'm not calling anyone by name. And even if I did know your name, I wouldn't call you by name anyway because that's not my point. That would make me very specifically judgmental. And that's not my job. My job is simply to point out the truth. And if the truth hurts, so be it. So be it. There were those in Jesus Christ's day that were offended by everything he had to say. Why? Because their intellectual prowess, they thought they were so much above that. And how could a possible, how could it possibly be? And they had the saying then. And I've heard it said today. How is it that anything good comes from Nazareth? Nazareth was a little humble town, didn't even have any kind of pavement on any of the streets at all. Open air shops everywhere, didn't have any of the amenities that some of the bigger cities had. And it was a little area that was primarily Craftsmen. That's all that lived there: stone masons, carpenters, carvers, artisans. That's all that lived there. It was like a little. Uh, <laughs> except nowadays, uh, over there in Taos, it's a that's a big deal. Everybody goes over there and they want to hang out and watch everybody painting in the street and all this stuff. They, you know, like the. Uh, I don't know, back in the day, but in the more modern times, I guess you'd call it a hippie commune. And it was very poor. It was very degraded. So everybody used to make fun. What good thing can come from Nazareth? Well, Jesus Christ came from Nazareth. Actually, Jesus Christ came from heaven. He didn't find it inconvenient to come down. And share the gospel of God the Father, which was what he started doing, was sharing the gospel of God, the good news. And then, as his time progressed to come closer and closer to be crucified and sacrificed for us, he began doing the miracles and the other things. But the gospel of God was what he primarily came down to share, the truth. And that was rejected by those of intellectual and philosophical prowess that thought themselves far above and beyond anyone else. And that anything good can come out of Navarro. And there are those that are going to argue against and seek to be offended by being told to get up, get out, and share the very thing that saved them. Oh, yes, they do that today. But here's the thing that through faith, shared faith, Individuals are saved and we're to walk by faith and not by sight. And we must be about my father's business. That's what he called me to do, to share my faith and not be ashamed. Brothers and sisters, I am not ashamed to share the gospel. To be about my father's business, it's not an inconvenience for me. Thank God. Thank you, Abba Yahweh that it was not an inconvenience for Jesus Christ to step down off of his throne. And it wasn't an inconvenience for him to come down and be born in a manger. Okay, a manger is um, the holder of the hay is actually what the manger is. Is is uh, You know, they talk about being born in the manger where they had all the animals. Actually, a manger is, uh, it's like... Um, What's a descriptive way to, to, well, it looks kind of like a cradle, but it's used for holding the hay to feed all the animals. And that's when Jesus Christ was born in that, first of all, in a stable, and then he was laid in a manger. He was laid in the in the hay trough for the stock because there was no room for them in the inn. But this was all prophetic. And after those brilliant prophetic scholars that claimed themselves to be so scripturally prof- uh, profound as that they had seen that, but they they went right over that. that couldn't possibly be true. couldn't possibly have happened and yet it did. and because they thought their intellectual prowess to be so far and above, they rejected the gospel. And then, of course, you had those that were thinking that their philosophical prowess was so much higher, so they rejected the gospel. And this is what uh, Paul was writing to when he wrote to uh, wrote to his letter to Rome, basically giving them an introduction of who he who he is, who he was, and that Rome at the time was the uh, social economic hub. I mean, you had those of the Roman Empire that were there and the and the Jews that were there were so haughty and high and mighty in their intellect and teaching and their scholarly wisdom. And then, of course, you had the Greeks that were there who were into their philosophical reasoning. And when Paul showed up, as he states in um, 1 Corinthians... Let me fly over there right quickly. See if I can find that. that. Um, Oh, goodness, went right by it. And 1 Corinthians 1, 23 and 24. Paul talks about this and he says, But we preach Christ crucified unto the Jews a stumbling block and unto the Greeks foolishness. So the Jews... Intellectually, they thought themselves so smart and so wise and so profoundly intelligent that they found the gospel to be a stumbling block and it got in the way of their intellect. And then the Greeks, it was below or beneath their physiological prowess because they were so wise and scholarly in their ways of philosophy, and they found it beneath them. But unto them which are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. And I'm going to read a little bit further because I actually like this passage here in 1 Corinthians. So I'm going to continue reading. Because the foolishness of God is wiser than men. And the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty men, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to be confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. So, What's Paul talking about there in his letter to the church at Corinth? What he's talking about, brothers and sisters, is there are not many of nobility that are called because they're inconvenienced by the gospel. They find the gospel to be an inconvenience to them. And there will not many be uh, the not many wise because their arrogance gets in the way and it chases after the flesh. And not many of those that are strong and powerful because their physical prowess gets in their way, their arrogance. And then you've got those that are they feel themselves in their nobility, their upwitness, they the ignobility of the gospel. Oh, that's too far beneath me. I can't possibly share the gospel. Now, what's that all about? Well, first of all, uh, philosophically, it goes contrary to all the teaching of the day, that you had to climb and work your way up to attain God. And that was the teaching of the false gods. You had to climb your way up and make your way to the presence of that God or that deity. How could it possibly be that God, who created all things, would possibly reach down in love to lowly man, reach down here, and try to lift him up, and give him the opportunity of salvation through Jesus Christ's Son. How could that possibly be? So the gospel is rejected for sociological reasoning. It's not acceptable in certain circles. Uh, you know, I, I shared with you already there, in 1 Corinthians, you have the noble, the mighty, in their their arrogant wisdom, those are going to reject the gospel because sociologically it would then put them on the outside and they can't possibly allow that to happen. And that perceived ignobility of the gospel of God, how could God possibly reach down? And Christ... He was crucified on a cross and left there to hang. Went through all of that agony on agony on his own. Was beaten nearly to a pulp and then forced to carry the beam of the cross that they were going to nail his hands into and lift him up onto and set, put him on that cross. See, there's a lot of there's a lot of things that are sort of missed and you have to interpolate in this, but. Let me share some things with you I, I shared with you already a bit about the crucifixion, and that this was done by a a uh, medical researcher who had done the research and all these things. Romans had become very adept at the crucifixion, and what uh actually was going on with Jesus is that that cross beam is what Jesus was carrying, and that he was um, he was dragging it it was i mean it was huge okay first of all, it was huge he had to be. Uh, tacked onto this thing, but the way that it was made, and it was set on top of the post and some things that you have to understand is that firstly, in their um in their torment to christ and their their beating on him and beating him up the way they did, he was beaten nearly to a pulp, and what they used is a cat of nine tails and um for lack of a special, another description, I mean, that's basically what it was. And inside the leather straps were uh, leaded beads. And rather than just a regular beating like they did to anyone else, they took that and went to task on Jesus Christ as he was tied to a post in the middle so that everyone can see what was being done. And he was beaten until the flesh came from his body. And then the crown of thorns that they pushed down on his head—that they were uh, making fun of him—and had to have a crown, so they took this. Uh, I guess it was. It seemed like it was probably like a, an acacia. If anyone are familiar with that, the acacia tree is um, grows in special locations. But the thorns on this thing are about three or four inches long. And they're very stiff and very hard enough. They allow this thing to be. To dry out, and then they they braided this thing and kind of wove it so there was a whole bunch of these thorns on. They pushed it down on Jesus' head and made fun of that, his crown of thorns. And then they took that beam and they strapped it to him and made him carry it up the way to Golgotha, the place of the skull. Calvary, where they set that. Hmm. The inconvenience that he must have gone through and stepping down off of his throne in heaven, where he was quite comfortable, where he had shared universal rule, and where things were planned and created by God. Abba Yahweh, the maker of all things made, and where Jesus resided. But he came down off that throne, set his crown down, said, Okay, Father, yeah, we love the world so much, I'll go. I'll go do it. And inconveniently, he stepped down to become the savior of the world. And he came down here and became the son of a carpenter and came from the village of Nazareth. What good comes from Nazareth? Well, my Lord and Savior came from Nazareth. The Savior of the world came from Nazareth. The only begotten son of God, my father, came from Nazareth. And the intellectual prowess leads those to believe in their arrogance that he died alone on the cross, not being able to see all the angels that were around and weeping and just waiting for the word, which didn't come, by the way. Because had the word been spoken and had Jesus Christ as he prayed in the garden, Father, my Father, if there be any way, let this cup be taken from me. But let it be thy will be done. He actually had so much angst about this that he actually asked briefly that God take that from him, take that responsibility for hanging on the cross and dying for the entire world, that that be taken from him. But then near instantaneously realizing that there could be no one else and he said let thy will be done and god's will was that this be done because they so loved this world they so loved the creation and jesus came thank god it was not an inconvenience for him as so many today claim to be inconvenienced by having to go out and share the gospel of christ saved by faith saved by grace and yet find it inconvenience to get up out of their comfort zone. Oh, the slothful, sluggardly claiming to that title. The very ones that cause people to believe and see that the salt of the earth has been diluted. And the Christian term, the terminology Christian, Christ-like, and of Christ, from Christ, has been so diluted and polluted. If the shoe fits, wear it. If you're offended, oh well. Turn me off and don't listen anymore. But the truth be told, there are those today that claim that it's an inconvenience for them to have to get up and get out of their house and go out in the heat of the day or the rain of the day and in the weather of the day, it's an inconvenience and they can't really do it right now or then they find an excuse for not being able to do it on another day I thank my Lord God in heaven above, and thank you, Lord Jesus, that you were not inconvenienced to come down here. Let me share this with you, brothers and sisters. The Bible talks about faith unto faith. And it says in the scriptures where uh, Paul is talking about these things, faith unto faith. So, in someone else's praying to God, and their faith that they're gonna get a response and that they're gonna get an answer. And then, boom, look who walks around, happens to walk around the corner and bumps into that person, not necessarily physically, but figuratively bumps into them and say, hey, Bob, Jane, how are you two doing today? Haven't seen you in a while. Well, yeah, we've been going through some things and we've really been needing some prayer and we've we have we've been kind of lost and, and it, hey, you know, I was just doing my Bible study today and I, I happened to come across the thing because I was sort of feeling the same thing. What do you know about that? Their faith in God and they're praying about it, they've been kind of forlorn. But then, look who comes around the corner, you, me, or brother and sister and somebody else who happened to be studying the word of God and who happened to come across a scripture that was necessary for self, and applicable to others. What an interesting thing, faith by faith, you think? So how is it that you're gonna determine that it's an inconvenience for you to go and to share? I am thankful that it was not an inconvenience. And I am not ashamed to share the gospel and although the Holy Spirit sometimes wakes me up way before I'd like that to happen, and um, I don't gripe to the Holy Spirit about it being an inconvenience and, and an attitude. You know, I just pray for the strength later in the day. And that's what happens. I get that strength and the strength of the Lord. And the joy of the Lord is my strength. And today I would rather have been lying down and sleeping, but the Holy Spirit brought me up to share some things and, and uh, spent some time in, in study, and now I'm spending time in sharing, and I can go back and lay down and take a nap. It works. Happened to be off today. But the pride of mammon gets in the way of the gospel. As the gospel is kind of the way that they is declared by so many is that the gospel tells us that we can't do things on our own, that we have to have faith in God. We have to have faith in Jesus and that he came to do this thing for us. But the pride of mammon, the arrogance of mammon is that everything has got to be done myself. I can do it myself. I can do it on my own and I want it right now. Okay, well, you want it right now, but if you do it on your own, you can't get it right now. And even if you do it by faith through God and waiting on the Lord, waiting on the Lord. It's delivered in God's timing and not your timing and that his timing is perfect and your timing is less than. But the arrogance of mammon puts that attitude that the gospel's got to be put aside and it's got to be put out of the picture because you have to rely on God by faith. You got no time for that. That's inconvenient. I want it right now. I want to do it now. I got to have it now. Um, the thing that people forget is that the word gospel was used both by the Romans and the Greeks, but it's uh, two Greek words that are pushed together that mean good news. How is it that rejecting good news is a reasonable and logical? That does not make sense? And how, too, is it that the sun with the intense heat, uh, stars that are falling or become meteors or, uh, or comets are flying through space at literally multiple, multiple, multiple hundreds of miles per second... And that the power of tsunamis or volcanic eruptions, and none of those are declared as the power of God. Interesting. And the raising of Jesus Christ from the tomb after being crucified, and that good news of the gospel, and that's the power of God how then can one be ashamed of that? And that we are called to that purpose. We are called to share the gospel of God the Father and Christ His only begotten Son. That's our purpose. And he came to rescue us from ourselves, brothers and sisters, ourselves. Think about it and you read the words. John 3:16, for God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Perish from what? Remember, there's a difference. Perishing has nothing to do with dying. Perishing has to do with the eternal separation from God and Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit and our loved ones. So what's going to keep that from happening, brothers and sisters? It's our choice. Our choice to either accept that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of Lord God, our Father, maker of all things made, and that the Lord Jesus Christ came and sacrificed himself on the cross for that purpose and that we have faith in God, and that the Holy Spirit is our comforter. And as Jesus Christ promised, that I have to go and prepare a place for you, but the comforter will come. And that's what we have to believe about. That was a declaration of his love. And we have... A couple scriptures I want to share with you, brothers and sisters. I'm going to flip over here to Acts. The book of Acts. And this is pretty important here. That we see in the book of Acts when Paul is getting ready to go out to... uh, they're getting ready. Remember that in the book of Acts, the apostles were all going out and doing all these things and, and that uh, getting all wound up and ready to go out and be in the mission field. And Acts 21, and it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord, shall be saved. I'm going to read in verse 22 because this is pretty profound. I like this. Ye men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you as ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken and by wicked hands have crucified and slain. So that talks about, and, and there being that righteous indignation that's, that is an example there, and that they were only being a part of a plan. But they took Jesus Christ who came inconveniently stepping down off of his comfortable throne and setting down his royal crown and came to this earth. Didn't gripe about it being an inconvenience. Not until after he was going through all the angst and agony and being chased around by all these people looking to try to kill him. Oh, Father God. If there were any way possible that you could take this cup from me for a moment and then immediately said afterwards, But thy will be done. And he went to the cross and was crucified. So in Romans 10 and 13, and I share further a repeat. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Interesting. There that that is used again. And yet they're talking again about those who didn't believe. How then shall they call on him who they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? Interesting. Perception in both Acts and Romans. Talking about the rejection of Jesus Christ in both terms and that they were coming to share the gospel, and yet the gospel rejected, and that Jesus Christ came, and yet they crucified him, and rejected what he was saying, and he was bringing to them the truth, knowledge, and wisdom of Lord God Almighty. And the preachers that come to share... So... And here is an explanation that I've shared before. This is a messianic speech of, of Jesus Christ to them and, and Jesus kind of um, his revelation to things. Um, in Matthew the thirteen, thirteen. Therefore speak I to them in parables, because they seeing see not and hearing they hear not neither do they understand and it's uh, interesting here he talks about the um, he talks about the vision of Isaiah and the prophecy of Isaiah and how Isaiah talked about hearing and shall not hear and seeing and yet not perceive. So what Jesus was speaking of and what Isaiah was speaking of in his prophecy was actually spiritual sight and spiritual hearing. And this is what Jesus spoke to all the time. And that as I used to do as a child, if I didn't understand something that the teacher had shared, I would ask, I'd say, you know, and sometimes embarrassed, I didn't want to do it in front of people. So I waited and I'd go up in private to the teacher's desk or, you know, up in the back room. Then I'd, I'd go in and I'd say, you know, I didn't understand. What, what do you mean? I would lean into the knowledge of the teacher. So, brothers and sisters, what I share with you is that we need to lean into the word of God. Our teacher now, because Christ has gone to heaven to prepare our place and to be an intercessory prayer for us every day. Our teacher is the Holy Spirit. Our guide is the Holy Spirit. If you don't understand, ask. It's the only way you're going to learn it. Don't try to do it on your own. Don't be so stubborn and arrogant that you don't ask somebody for help. That's what the comforter was sent here for, is to help us, guide us, and teach us. So lean in and ask. This is why I believe that Jesus Christ taught in parables the way he did to find those that were interested in learning and would lean in and ask, Nicodemus being one of them. He was called the teacher of teachers and he was an elder of the Pharisees and he was a profound teacher in the word and he had questions because according to what they had been taught all along, he was finding that there were reasons to question because finding in the prophecies and in later scriptures that more in tune and in line with what Jesus Christ was teaching, he was finding that to be so. So he questioned the written part and the law but yet those who were of the intellectual prowess and those, that mindset, they were followers of the law of Moses. And it didn't matter that Jesus Christ was teaching the law of God and the truth of God. They were following the law of Moses as it was written down in the book. So what they were doing is they were putting the prowess of a man over the prowess of the Son of God who's speaking the truth as it came from God, who gave that to Moses anyway. But their intellect allowed them to get twisted into a pretzel of intellect, and they completely ignored the word and testimony of Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. Why? Because the arrogance of mammon led them down that path. And they argued that point with Jesus Christ when he told them that he brought the word of God. They argued that they were following the law of Moses. Uh, Excuse me. That law was given to Moses by the finger of God that wrote it on the tablets of stone. Moses didn't chisel it out. God wrote it in the stone with his fingers. But yet you put that of import over the teaching of the only begotten Son of God. Interesting. So, brothers and sisters, we need to be out. We need to be sharing the good news gospel. And who cares if you get ridiculed, which you will. You're probably going to have fingers pointed at you and they're going to belittle you, berate you, degrade you because that's what man does. They think that this is intellectually beneath them. The devil drives them to that. And brothers and sisters, you're going to be driven to uh, self-degradation, go through rejection. It doesn't matter. There's an old adage, an old native adage that talks about leading horses to water And you cannot make them drink. They want the water, and you take them there, but then they don't drink. You can't make them drink. You can only take them there. You present them with food, and they decide they don't want to eat. You can't make them do it. You cannot make man do anything. They want to hear something. They want to be saved, but you can't make them be saved. And here's the other thing that's very important. Very important. Um, In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace are ye saved through faith. And then not of yourselves, it is in the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. So, brothers and sisters, this very important aspect of the gospel very important aspect, is that it's not through us. We do not save anyone. That's not our purpose. Our purpose is not to come and save anyone. We share the word. We plant the seed. God is the salvation. We put that in the person's mind. We set that in there. We plant that seed, and there will be the enemy that comes. We'll plant the seeds of weeds to try to choke that out. And we pray over that person that we shared that word with. We pray over that person that in sharing the gospel, that they would come to know Jesus Christ as the only begotten Son of God and have faith in God. God saves the person. We plant the seed. And that's all that matters. That's all that it does take. Don't look to try to claim salvation over anyone that, oh, Yeah, they got saved because I went and did this and I went and did that and I did this at this time and I went and talked to them. You just went over and talked to them. That's all you did. God saved them. They're seeking faith in that. Don't be bragging on yourself. Be patting yourself on the back. I'm a conduit of this truth and word and knowledge of God the Father and that what I share is not from me. It is from God the Father. And he allows me to do this, which I am truly blessed for. But this is nothing to do about Raven. This is all to do about Lord God Almighty, Abba Yahweh, Yahshua, His only begotten Son, praiseworthy, Father, Maker of all things, Jesus Christ, His only begotten Son, Baraklitos the Holy Spirit, all praiseworthy. Not me. I'm just doing what God came and asked me to do because I am not ashamed of the gospel of God the Father. And Jesus Christ his son. I'm not ashamed of it. I'll go out and share it and I'll talk to anybody that wants to hear about it. Brothers and sisters, all you have to do is look at some of my recordings here. The recordings that I make sometimes go because I get blathered (laughs) and I can't help it. And I have can't help it. Can't help it. So brothers and sisters. And this is what, oh, goodness gracious, the Holy Spirit just brought me right over here. Um, In John 9 and 4, I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. And what does that mean? That means that life is short, brother and sister. That means that no man is promised tomorrow. Promise is not uh, tomorrow is not promised. It's of God whether we live to the next day. It's through God if he decides that we will be blessed with a new day. It's entirely up to him. But while I am here and while I am blessed with breath and life and graced to have that and mercifully allowed to draw it continually, then I must be about my Father's business. I am not ashamed of the gospel of God my Father and Jesus Christ. I'm not ashamed of it. How about you? Are you ashamed or embarrassed? Do you believe the degradation, belittling, and examined by the self-worth that the enemy delivers to you? Brothers and sisters, don't be. Walk by faith, not by sight. I love you. Have a blessed day. You are in my prayers, my going out, my coming in. Always, always, always.